increasing regulation, market saturation, and rising interest rates. Still think short-term rentals make sense? You're not alone. Join industry experts Bill Faith and Kenny Bedwell as they discuss how you can invest while still staying ahead of the curve, identifying trends before they happen, or blowing them away outright with their insights. This is STRonomics. The podcast is brought to you by Market My STR, the ultimate all-in-one marketing platform for short-term rental hosts. Are you tired of juggling multiple marketing tools? Say goodbye to the hassle and make your life as a host a breeze with Market My STR. Boost your booking rates and increase your revenue in no time with our powerful features. Our platform streamlines your marketing efforts so you can focus on what you do best, providing unforgettable guest experiences. Whether you're a newcomer or a seasoned host, Market My STR has got you covered. Stay connected with your guests using our comprehensive set of communication tools. From custom landing pages to text messages, email marketing, and social media integration, we provide all the tools you need to elevate your short-term rental business. Streamline your operations, enhance your guest experience today. Don't settle for less so we can have it all. Make the switch to MarketMySTR's all-in-one marketing platform and watch your business soar. Visit MarketMySTR.com today to sign up for your free trial. That's MarketMySTR.com. Elevate your short-term rental business with Mark and my STR. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to STRonomics. I'm Bill Faith, joined by Kenny Bedwell from STR Insights. Oh. Insights, insights, insights. Strinsights. Yeah, Strinsights, kind of like Stronomics. Stron welcome back, everybody. Wait, really, you know what? Not everybody. Welcome back to you. We really thank you for being here and for listening. And, Especially if you, you know, left us a review. <laughs> you no, know, I mean, yeah. it's, it's awesome that, you know, people listen to the shit that we spew out, you know, once a week. And, it's you know, I think true. it's good information and hopefully it's helpful for a lot of people, but most importantly for you that are listening right now. So today we're going to talk about when should I be selling? What are your thoughts on that, Kenneth? Woo! That's a loaded question. So, you know, we, we spent a, a really heavy amount uh, on what you can do to make up for, for lost revenue or lost income. How can you kind of audit your listings to optimize and, and you know, be your competition and yada, yada, yada. Um, but ultimately at some points, and I'm seeing some people do this is when do you just say, okay, look, it's not going to happen, throw in the towel or pivot, you know? And I think that's the biggest thing is learning how to <laughs> build enough a stand up desk and, uh, Hopefully I got to stand up for this one. This is a big you one. You got to stand up for this one. Yeah, because he's got a story for you. Um, but I mean, here's the thing. At a certain point, there is a time when you should say, look, like I need to pivot. Don't think of it as like I'm giving up. I, I think that's a wrong way to look at it. But it's more of like I need to pivot and look at something else because um, this isn't working. You know, this this isn't the winner. You know, I need to go into another market or how how whatever investment strategy you want to have. So I, I don't disagree. I think it all starts starts with an audit, you know, of your yeah. of your properties and and that's probably what I would say first to do is you need to make sure you're understanding all the expenses and all the income and how that's tracking. So a lot of people, you know, who are saying, "Oh, I'm not making any money," or you know, it, it's just kind of the gross income. But in reality, you might be making a lot less than you think you are, which is it's more of a dire situation. And so it's better to recognize that earlier and be able to move and act quicker than wait until everybody else is figuring this out at the end of the summertime into the shoulder season and people start panic selling, which is probably what's going to happen. Yeah. I, I wish I wasn't in, you know, 
three and a half weeks into a 1031 right now. Actually, no, and you literally like messaged me the other day and I was like, where was this three and a half weeks ago? I, yeah, I wish I would have, uh, I, I wish I would have held out maybe another couple of months to wait for the fire sale that's going to happen after the summer. So I just sold a property in Beach Mountain, uh, North Carolina because. I mean, I made money on the property. It was $27,000, um, you know, net income on the first year's rent. But it's not for me and my business and life plan. That was the lowest performing cash flowing property uh, in my portfolio. Well, that takes the same amount of time roughly for me to manage that property as it d as does my property in Banner Elk, North Carolina. Well, my property in Banner Elk, North Carolina, I'm looking it up right now, Kenny, um, did wow, $122,000, almost a hundred thousand, dollars $97,000 more in net income at my Banner Elk property than I did at my Beach Mountain property. Sure. I paid 1.6 million in Banner Elk. I paid 525 in Beach Mountain. I get all that, but my net income is literally five times higher, really almost six times higher. So for the same amount of effort, so that means that's the property. If I have equity in that property, so this is what I do on audit. I keep track of it on a spreadsheet. I look at my my current value, my current debt, my equity position, my revenue, and my net income. So I had all that from 2022. Then I go in and I have year to date for 2023 on my revenue and my net income. So since that wasn't like escalating to get up to where I can make 40, 50, 60,000, it was time to sell because I could access $174,000 in cash to be able to redeploy. So now the next decision component is, is how does this tie into my lifelong plan? So when I sold this property, I had 12 that I owned in my portfolio. That's not part of my plan. My plan was to have 10. So I'm over how many I need to own at that point. The second part I'm going to look at is my overall net cash. So, which is 977,000 in 2022. The goal used to be 800,000 that moved to a million. So I've also got my new Whitefish Montana property on here with zero revenue. That's a cash suck right now. Knew that going in. I'm still waiting on a septic permit inspection, which, you know, I booked in tried to schedule in February. Hopefully they'll get to it this month. Uh, but I budgeted no income on that property for the first year. Carry costs, just under 7,000 bucks. So do the math. My portfolio has to carry that. Mm. So I'm analyzing all of this. This is really important. My net income is 977. Let's just call it a million dollars a year. My debt is 5.347, so $5.3 million in debt on my STR portfolio. This is where knowing your plan is so important, having a plan. My plan was to re retire at 60. I just turned 50 last month. I'm in the financial position to where I can retire today. I've hit my goals, but I'm waiting for four and a half years until my youngest daughter, who's gonna be a freshman in August, graduates from high school and goes to college. That $5.3 million in debt needs about $1.2 million in net income to pay that off before she goes to college. That's something that I've amended into my plan because my wife and I don't live on our short-term rental income. So now that's one of the reasons that I sold Beach Mountain. I'm redeploying now into another property 
to where hopefully I'll be able to generate three or four times, maybe even five times the amount of net income if I make a sound investment. I made a sound investment into Beach Mountain. I was just an idiot and told all you guys about it. And then you followed me into that market and, and made it a little bit more challenging. There's nothing wrong with netting $27,000 on a $525,000 investment on $87,000 in revenue this in you know 2022. Specifically moving into 2023. Problem is I sold that, I paid 525. I sold the property at 595. Right. So some and somebody's going to have a higher interest rate and they're going to carry more debt. So when you're auditing, once you find the if you're going to sell the equity that you're going to take, you need to know what you're going to do with it and what's it going to cost you. It was pretty eye opening, Kenny. I went to I mean, I, I use a bank that I've been with for quite some time uh, here. I have all my cash or a lot of not all of it, but a lot of my cash with them. Well over seven figures in cash I have a couple of loans with them. I have stellar credit, hover between 785 to seven, you know, to like 815, and it varies on credit card spend and that type of stuff. And I walk in and I said, hey, I'm thinking about building a pool. And I don't take out HELOCs or do cash out refis, you know, on my portfolio. And I said, what would it what would my interest rate be? Just shits and giggles with the manager there. She's like 8.25%. Oh. She's like, that's prime right now. Yeah. I'm like, aren't I in like your highest tier of banking? You know, I also have another almost million dollars there with the SDR wealth conference and money marketing and that type of stuff. And she's like, you are, but I can't do any better than 8.25%. It's 8.25. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay. Forget about that $200,000 pool that my, my girls want to put into this house, you know? So then the question becomes, we are going to do a pool. Do I, I'll get into that whole life discussion in a different discussion, but <laughs> do I spend 200 grand out of pocket or do I spend 200 grand on a HELOC at 8.25%? I could sit here and debate either side of this equation. And this is the same way that I look at when I'm auditing these properties. And the first thing, the very first thing you have to look at is your financial position. Can I afford 200 grand to build a pool of cash? Yes. Can you afford to sell and buy another property at a higher interest rate? Can I afford taking out a $200,000 HELOC or a small loan or whatever it is at 8.25%? Yes, because I make more than 8.25% if I invest that money. Now, if I'm going to leave it sit in the bank, that's a completely different thing if it's not working for me, right? So a lot of you will look at, instead of selling properties, you're going to look at doing a cash out refi. You're going to look at doing a HELOC and hold on to that property because I need to hold my real estate. That's the mentality. That's what I'm taught is I want to buy and hold over the long term. But then you have to understand that if I was to pull that $174,000 out and still retain that property, so I do it on a HELOC and I'm paying that eight, eight and a quarter percent, then I go buy a $750,000 property that's going to be at 7%. Now I've got that loan of 500,000 I'm paying 7% on, and I'm paying eight and a quarter on the $200,000 down payment, which is my HELOC. Hmm. That's why I've never done a HELOC and I've never done a cash out refi. I have always, well, sold to level up, right? I would sell and then level up because I'm not looking to grow to 20 or 30 properties. I want to stay as close to 10. I, I want to make a million to $1.25 million off the least amount of properties that I can. And when I'm talking about net income, I'm not talking about 
you know, gross revenue here. And that is something that is really important that we need. And I don't know why I haven't been sharing this, Kenny, because, and I'll share it, I'll show everybody. This is because I, I did this on the Superhost Sunday, so it's not anything special. This is the property that I sold. This is the net cash flow. That's what was happening here. So year to date, even at 2023, was at 21,000. Uh, you know, that was going into the first of May. So I was on a run rate to do less than the 86,000 significantly. It was going to be down about 17, 18%, right? So like Kenny talked about in the previous episode, he Kenny went in and he just bought a hot tub for his Watkins Glen property, right? So I look at, he spent 13 grand on the hot tub. It was roughly going to be about 13,000 for me to do, I think it was, uh, I don't know, like a four to six seater. But you know what it was going to cost me, Kenny, at this property, this Beach Mountain property, another six to seven grand to reinforce the deck. Oh, and it was God. like another $2,500 delivery fee because I'd have to bring it in from Johnson City to Beach Mountain. They'd have to rent a crane. Then they mm -hmm. would have to get access to the neighbor's yard and then crane it in and then roll it underneath onto my bottom deck. It was a huge fucking ordeal. So 13 grand, got better factor in 1500 for electrician. So that's 14500 $2,500 delivery fee and another $7,000. We're talking 20000 bucks versus, you know, 13 grand. I'm not going to see the return on that investment, in my opinion, to whereas I take that extra 21000 and roll it on top of my 174, which yep. allows me to be able to buy a million dollar property versus the $525,000 property that I have. Yeah, that's great. I love that, you know, that, and I think that a lot of people too, it's like, if you're going to take a loss, like understand what you're going to do after the fact, not just, I took the loss, I'm done, you know, because um, that's really where the loss kind of like cements in and it's not it's not just about like okay do i sell and i walk away and i no longer have to do with this property but what are you going to do next are you going to roll it into something better or are you done you know and you could get hit even harder if you're you know done that that like i said it cements the loss of that um you know what from the losses that you just took from that property this so. is why we talk about having a good understanding of what you're looking at two to three deals down the road yeah. and not just looking at one deal. Right. And I get, if you have a hundred grand to your name and you're looking to buy a $300,000 property, you're not even really thinking about number two, but you need to be planning that from a financial perspective. If that's you in know? the, if that's the goal, right. Yeah. yeah if you're going to go to two or three, if you want to, if you just want to do one, that's fine. But I can't emphasize enough knowing the carry costs and your own liquidity and your financial wherewithal behind the scenes outside of your real estate portfolio plays a huge factor into this decision, right? Out of principle, if I would have been losing money on Beach Mountain, I would have, I would have freaking stuck in there until, you know, I could make it profitable just because out of principle, I don't want to sell something that I'm losing money in, but that's an ego thing. And because I have the okay. money behind it to be able to, you know, hold on to it. There's, there's people who are, it's summertime, peak season, and they're losing money on their properties. And I think that, um, especially in certain markets, like Broken Bow, I'm, I'm hearing this a lot. Even Blue Ridge. Ridge. Blue Ridge. Yeah, I wanted to put that one last because, you know, I get that famed Blue Ridge. If you say hate. Logan, Ohio, we're getting so much hate mail. Logan. No, I'm just kidding. I don't know about Logan. But, um, but no, from people who I actually, like, I've spoken to. And on it, like, they're, they're supposed to be getting bookings right now. It's summer season. So, in my mind, if you're in that market and you're losing money right now when you're supposed to be making money, 
it might be, and sure, you've tried everything you, that we talked about in the last two episodes, keyword tried everything. It might be beneficial to consider selling sooner rather than later because a lot of other people are going to wait until after the peak season yep. and try to sell. So I think your timing has to be, um, you, you want to make moves as soon as you can kind of thing in my mind. It's going to be July in like 10 days, Kenny. You know, yeah. I don't even know what's, what's the date today. Today's like what? It's June, June 19th. 19th. Mm-hmm. It's going to be July in 12 days, roughly. So if you wait until the end of July to sell, the average property I know is over 30 days on the market. I think it's like close to close to 40 right now nationwide, yeah. right? So that's going to push you deep into September to sell. That's when everybody else is going to be selling. So I agree with Kenny 100%. This starts with your forecasting of cash flow, your forecasting of rents, and your forecasting of cash flow to take you all the way back to probably, if you're in the summer season, back to March of 2024, right? So you need to forecast August, September, October, November, December, January, February, because for most of you, that's going to be the the shoulder season and the down season during the winter and spring break and all that type of stuff doesn't going to re, you know, start to ignite revenues until March of 2024. So that is August, September, October, November, December, January, February, that's seven months. What happens if you end up losing $3,000 a month over the next seven months? That's 21 grand that you're going to lose. It's not as simple as saying, oh, I've got 35 grand in my checking account. That's not a P&L, right? 35 grand gets sucked out a lot faster than you think it does when you don't understand really how a P&L works. That's why I want to have my P&Ls done by the fifth of every single month. So forecast out through that season till March right now. And if you don't believe you're going to be in that cash position to want to hold on to that property in March of 2024, then now is probably a good time to look to sell. But you also need to know what your equity position is. Remember, those numbers that I just showed you on my own sheet do not account for real estate fee, real estate agent brokerage fees, or closing costs. That's just the the hard equity that I have in that property. So I would probably need to budget about 9, 10, 11% market dependent, state dependent on what it would cost me to actually sell that property. So on that 174,000, that's probably gonna cost me 17 grand. I had budgeted about 150 to 155 in true cash. I think I ended up at like 157, 158 in my 1031 that went to my intermediary, right? Where most people are thinking, oh, I've got 175,000. It doesn't work that way. Yeah, I think that's great. I think we should uh, do another episode on how do you forecast that revenue or the expenses as well that you're not gonna that you're gonna take on. And then, you know, that I, I think one of the biggest mistakes that I saw probably last year and the year before, and I didn't know it myself, but I, I felt weird about it because I was like, look, it, it, I don't think it works that way. It's a lot of people when they're running their performas and they're thinking about revenue growth year over year, they're literally saying, okay, you know, this year I'm going to make $100,000. And then next year I'm going to make 105. The year after that, 110, because rates will naturally increase. And it doesn't work like that. We're literally experiencing a dip. There are dips in this market, you know? And so like, sure, if you smooth it out over a period of 10 to 20 years, you know, it does incrementally increase. But year to year, it doesn't work like that. And I think that a lot of people are catching on and realizing, whoa, actually, you know what? These properties aren't doing as well as what I had hoped. I didn't run all my numbers properly. I didn't run catch all my expenses I needed to. And I, I mean, I'm even seeing people on social media. I saw a post the other day and uh, Ryan Bakey commented on it, but it said, hey guys, I bought my first short-term rental. 
how do I calculate the expenses? And we're like, Ryan's like, you should have done that before you bought the property. Like you're in for a rodeo. Um, I feel like a lot of people are, are now starting to catch on to this. And so it's, it's super duper important that we're not just thinking there's like the set revenue growth that we have to accurately forecast that best we can with available data, what that property potentially can do in a downturn market, which is the other thing to look at is, you know, we talked about losing $3,000 a month between like just August through, through March. And that's going to cost you 21 grand. What happens if your insurance renews and your insurance is 7,000 bucks during that time period? And you have to make that payment. What happens if your property taxes is four or 5,000 and that comes up. So if you have losing 21 grand, four grand in property tax, seven grand in, uh, you know, insurance, there's another 11, that's 32,000 bucks. that gets thrown on, thrown on top of that. Right. Unless you're factoring that in, you know, on an accrual basis on your, your P and L. So those are the things. This is why we really need to understand our costs when things come up for renewal. You know, I mean, outside of like cleaning mortgage, cleaning costs, then typically it's going to be insurance and insurance sometimes is more than our cleaning costs, especially if you're at a beach market, you know, post hurricane. I mean, I was paying up to 19 grand a year for insurance last year. So that's a huge deal. That's a check that gets stroked all at one time. And it's interesting. I've got three properties at the beach that literally go three months in succession. So that could be like a forty to $50,000 nut that I've got to cover. So if I don't have like $150,000 in operating capital in my account for those three properties right now, then you know what? I've got a forecast to make sure. So I actually pull money out of each account to put into an insurance account, you know, on a monthly basis. I treat that as an accrual and I have it set up on an auto transfer, regardless of what the balance is to be able to go in because the insurance is a big deal, especially when you get to be a portfolio, you know, of my size, which isn't even huge. You know, they're just high value properties, but I'm spending close to just under four, about $360,000 this year, just on insurance. Wow. Crazy shit. Yeah. Awesome. So that's how you figure out if you should sell, but there's more to it than that. Well, uh, what are we going to dive into on the next episode, Kenny? What did you say? Uh, Forecasting revenue. Yes. How do we forecast over the next three, six, nine, 12 months? Make sure you click into the next episode and we are going to talk about that. Thanks for joining us today, everybody. Happy hosting. Thank you for listening to STRonomics. Stay ahead of the curve and subscribe today. This podcast is a hospitality.fm production.